War is inevitable. You've made the right choice. Time for Marcy's come! Greetings and welcome to the Split Push Podcast episode number, anybody got it? 76, come on, Se- tell me I'm right. 77? 77! Oh, Gilly, damn it! Gilly gets the cookie. <laughs> this game. Uh, with me here today, we have Dirtnap Dan. Howdy folks, how's it going? Woo, sounds so fresh and clean now. Yeah, I got a new mic for my Discord, but not for the, the, the podcast, because it's just a headset, so, you know, but... To all these guys, I sound a little better. Yes. I talked to him for the first time yesterday, and I, for a second there, thought he had, like, got younger all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> and we have Gilly also joining us here. Hey, I just returned from Niflheim from 24 hours. <laughs> Coming out of podcast retirement for this episode, we have Guy All Smitey. What's up, everybody? <laughs> and I'm very excited to announce today's special guest, the man, the myth, the legend, Emilzy. Hello, hello. Good to see you on. I bet, I bet. That was one thing I noticed about you were always talking about your family. I actually got a great, oh, yeah? great HRX memory about uh, you, my wife. I got her to watch it to me or with me for the first year, and she she pointed out your family in the crowd. Mm. She's like, that's so adorable. They got the jerseys with his name on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, that, was, that, was, uh, that was quite the challenge getting all the jerseys because we had to get like, the thing with the jersey was that it wasn't in production. So it was only the players that had them. So we had to go through like some special kind of thing to get the, the jerseys for all of us, like all the family. I think we had, we ordered like 13 jerseys in total or something for our family. It was crazy. That's awesome. That's awesome though. Yeah, she's like, I'm going to make that for you when you go. And I have to remind her, when I go, no one's going to care. I'm not playing. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to be there. <laughs> be there. Uh, so today, uh, yeah, we got, we got Emil on here. Very excited. Uh, we got a ton of guest questions. So that will take up a lot of the show today, uh, as long as well as questions of our own. And, uh, go ahead and get started with one I had. It's going to be like shoot interview style. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emilzy. Why don't you walk us through a day in the life of a pro uh, pro player competing at HRX? So, like, at Worlds? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, usually, like, on game day, we have, like, the day prior, I think, is one of the more interesting days, because that's when we do, like, the prep, basically. We figure out what are, what are we going to draft, what are we going to look out for, um, what, like, is there certain play styles we can abuse on the enemy team? Like, who are we gonna focus out and all that? And then on the actual day, uh, we wake up. I mean, for me, go take a shower. You know, if I'm feeling extra frisky, sometimes I would like do some kind of physical exercise just to 
take off the top of the steam because you wake up with you kind of have the shakes like the jitters in a good way you know like that went a whole different way you said he was going to take a shower and get frisky i was thinking something totally different <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so i'm going to i go to the bathroom then i turn on the shower go in there <laughs> um <clears throat> anyway um but yeah I mean, get some breakfast. Usually, we we play it pretty early on. Uh, if you play a bit later, maybe your routine is a bit different. Maybe try and stay up a bit longer so you can fall like wake up later. You kind of get to sleep in. I think we got some breakfast. Then we just kind of headed over to the to the games. We we huddled up kind of uh, and and went through a game plan. And this year at HX we had two sets of booths which kind of sucked but the only positive thing is that we actually got to warm up for like two hours before we actually had to play uh so we just kind of sat there while rival played sanguine and we watched the game we warmed up we talked about a strategy then we played and we lost and i decided to stay and watch the rest of my games with uh, my family as she mentioned before uh, it was pretty exciting and then i mean there's just there's just a bunch of like you like in between the games you might want to go for a drink you might want to go get grab something to eat you might want to go to the toilet and there is like a lot of people at least in the start because you haven't really seen anyone and it's the first day a lot of people like they'll want a picture or they'll want an autograph or they want you to sign like a hat or a jersey or a backpack or something or like even the what are those things called that you like smack towards each other that makes that obnoxious noise like the, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> the, things, you, the things you blow yeah. up you know um, so they'll make you sign whatever and I mean for me kind of instantly after I just went home uh, to the hotel after uh, well not instantly but after we watched all the games I went down to like the lobby I think and then I was just like kind of sad i guess but I, I was talking to like some other players uh about like okay that also got kicked out like what is gonna happen now and i kind of got the news from uh <clears throat> from my team that uh well we always thought that adapting was gonna stop uh like quit so that kind of happened therefore i really really wanted to play with Kalas. so he told me that he wasn't gonna play with me which i guess that's fair didn't really end up working out for him which really sucks because i think he deserves to be in this pill so yeah un- unlucky for death walker and when all that happened our kind of thing vote was just like he he had another he had another option i think like yeah, it'll make a lot of sense when you see what vote did but obviously i'm not gonna spoil any teams on this <laughs> podcast but oh, we can edit it out i don't have to nah 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 i'm not spoiling anything <laughs> <laughs> that that's for vote to announce but I think it makes a lot of sense. It's just a lot of people wanting to play with friends and everything. And then I was just kind of sat there because uh, I was alone and I had Ro with me. Like I was always going to play with Ro. Uh, I was going to try and play with adapting. But yeah, we, we just kind of talked and I was thinking in my head. At that point, you already start thinking like, okay, shit, what am I going to do? Because uh, I don't have a team for next season. But I, I actually built up a really good team and we ended up getting an offer. And that team is still in the SPL. Like, they actually got the same sponsor, like, the same offers we got. They just have a different support player than me. Uh, and, yeah, I just kind of built that team from ground up and just to try and, like, get a philosophy of I just want to play with people that I don't have the right work ethic. Like, they might not be the most insane mechanic players, but, like, 
we can bond in the inside and outside of the game and like really grind together. Uh, so I was like really interesting, but obviously I didn't end up doing it. But going back to the question, so I, I talked mm-hmm. and I just got a bit into what I talked about. But uh, we talked. I went to I went to take like another shot. They had they have like these bathtubs in the hotel. It was pretty sick. We added like a hotel house tour thing. You can go and watch that if you wonder how a hotel looked. But I actually got like I went to the shower and just kind of pondered upon life. I was rooming with Ro, and Ro's girlfriend was there, so I was just, I was just chilling, because Ro wasn't there, so I just kind of had the room for myself, watching some TV, whatever, and then I just went to sleep. But I mean, it's it's all about like doing whatever makes you kind of calm down and not think about the games before the games, because you do all the hard work the night before. So like, I just kind of go into my zone. I always have like this noise canceling headset, I also use on my flights and everything. I just put it on. And I try and just walk past people, like, before my games. Like, it's not to be mean or anything, but I'm just in my zone. Like, if someone really wants a picture, like, sure, I'll stop, but I'll go and do it after the games, you know? But I'm just in my zone. I'm listening to, like, this, this, these songs that just, like, makes me calm, you know? But also makes me focused. And then I'll, like, literally, I just have a playlist where it just slowly ups the BPM and it literally just ends up with, like, Vini Vici. I'm just banging and ready, ready for, for the game, you know? And I have to... I have this very specific pattern. I always play Uller in warm up. I don't know. People probably seen Zeros do it. Uh, he kind of taught me to how to do that as well. So it's just you kind of spin around and use all your abilities and try and hit all the butts. Uh, it's just a good way to like mechanically warm up. Um, and then I just go with the picks with my team. We do mic tests. We do like tests, uh, reset up uh, UI because that's always kind of fucked up. Make sure all the settings are right. Make sure we have the software installed make sure we have like good F- fps and everything and yeah that's that i mean that's pretty much it and then i think most players are the same before the games like everyone is kind of just doing their own thing but then it's like after the games win or lose people definitely handle that in different ways so like for me i i get kind of upset but like i my way of coping with like a loss or win is always to like I really like talking to the fans and just that's like my kind of reliever where I just don't have to think about what happened. I know other people just want to go straight home or, or whatever, you know, but I think for a pro player, you just try and do stuff that calms you down. Like you have, for me, you have some tea, have a chill breakfast, or just kind of get there in good time, listen to music, you know. Hold on, I'm going to take notes here on how to handle my losses better. Merkin, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm going to keep telling you, you need some tea, brother. Oh. Okay, does anybody else have a question about HRX for him? I know we... Not necessarily about HRX, but you were saying, like, earlier, uh, uh, you were, you made the team, or someone made the team. Is it... I don't know, for some reason I had this, like, perspective that the org managed the team and not the actual players. So did you all, like, go through... Say, like, one person wants to build the team, do you actually go through, like, your list of friends who you would like to play with or to like does the org have some input on who they want uh i mean it's kind of different i know like some teams have done it uh some orgs literally just took a coach and they were like yo you build a team for us we trust you but mainly it's like a bidding process so there's teams kind of form and shape and then you end up this year we were like 9 10 11 teams fighting for the eight organizations uh and like a spot 
so the players makes the team like the players have a lot of power and who they want to play with it's not like the orcs like one thing is we don't really have different differentiated salary like i know a few teams had that but mainly it's like everyone gets the same as well right so everyone is worth the same everyone is like which i mean it has its upsides and downsides for sure but everyone is like worth the same you kind of have these players that like to be captain or like have a a pretty respected role or whatever you want to say and they just create the teams they're like i want to play with this guy who do we want to play with and then you just kind of build it up and then when you get to like the third or the fourth player you, you generally like you have a pretty good idea of what you want for the team and then you just try and find someone that like matches that and something someone everyone is happy with um and then obviously sometimes you don't get the player you want because maybe they're retired maybe another team snack them or like maybe they just don't want to play with one of the players on your team so that's like a lot of that goes into it but the orcs have like pretty much like they get to say yes or no to a team as a whole the the orcs they don't have a lot of knowledge when it comes to actual like players like they obviously you're gonna know if you're an orc owner and you watch the world championships that sk players are probably pretty good then this barracuda guy is like he's a big name and so is adapting or whatever but when it comes to those players that might not shine all the time or whatever but still play at a really high level orcs don't really have an idea it's i, f- I always think it's a lot harder in in esports in particular to say to like look at it and you have no idea what it is and then just say this guy's bad or this guy's good if you look at traditional sports and you're watching whether that's soccer or nfl or something even if you're the, it's the first time watching you you could generally have a pretty good idea of what's going on you know it's really hard to 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 yeah it's really hard to value that in esports uh so the orcs really don't have a say an outside view of smite game is definitely like they won't know the ins and outs, so they won't know like why people are doing certain things, who's actually winning half the time, who's actually like doing the best on the team comparatively. Like They'll see the carry has 17 kills, but maybe the support was there for every single one of them, and he's the only reason they got him, whatever, you know. They'll just see the numbers. That's what I would expect, at least. I'm sure yeah, it's a little different. Right. But... So I got a question for you. How was your experience living in America this year? Um, I mean, now that I'm like living there is fine, but now that I'm back in Denmark, I definitely prefer Denmark. But that's just, it's just cultural bias. Like I'm sure if an American lived in Denmark and then went back to America, you'd say the same thing. There's just very different things in like how we transport ourselves, how we shop, how we eat. Um, there's like a lot of different things, and I, I mean. America was really convenient, which was nice. The bad thing is that I didn't actually have a car. Like, we had a car, but it, I, I couldn't drive it. Well, I can drive, but I wasn't allowed to. Because um, <laughs> I didn't get an American license or whatever. But, uh, I mean, it was good. I, I definitely think a lot of people really overreacted when they're like, America shit, America's bad or whatever. Because, it, like, it really isn't that much different from from Denmark like there's some cultural things where it's like in Denmark everything is a lot closer so it's a lot easier to just jump on your bike and you just drive downtown to your corner shop and buy something whereas in America you're probably gonna get driven down by some idiot that's looking into his phone if if that's happening you know so you gotta have your car um and then there's also just a difference in the food like it's really hard to get good ingredients I feel like or like fresh ingredients in America to an extent 
Amen. Uh, uh, I agree completely. Yeah. <laughs> like, especially in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like you, you have to. If you go through local grows, you like sure there's like the organic session and all, but it it it's just not like it's not the same uh, as if you're like because here in Denmark you literally just go to your local superstore or super, super it's not called superstore it's your local corner store, and it just has like literally fresh uh well not fresh to an extent it's just different uh, there's like some different requirements and all that uh but I f- I think. Uh, America was fine. Like, it was literally no problem living there. Uh, it really, one thing I really enjoyed doing, I, I really like going for walks and just put on my, my beloved headset and throw in like a good audiobook and some good music. That's a way for me to like get my minds of things or like go for a run or something. You can't really do that in America because like, on, like, unless you want to go to the fitness center and run on like, one of the treadmills, which I, re- I really dislike doing that. My other option literally was to run next to like a, f- a free lane way, which is just not optimal. And like there, there was no, uh, there was no like t- tiny roads only for pedestrians or whatever that like went through a forest or something. Whereas in Denmark, we, we, I'm, at least where I live, there's so many like small, uh, roads where you can just like bike and walk all over. And it, it's, it's so much, it's so much chiller. Because there's no cars, there's no people. You just kind of walk around the nature. Uh, you couldn't do that in America. So that was like one thing I missed out on. Then there was like other things that were better. Just because it's way more convenient. If you if you need something, you have Amazon. If you're really hungry, you have Uber Eats or whatever. Um, which isn't necessarily healthier or whatever. But it's 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 nice when you're in the situation, you know. It's, it's really nice. So when a lot of the European players are like... Oh, I hate America, whatever. I, I don't, like, I actually liked living there. But it what made it, like, unenjoyable for me is that I didn't get to, like, like my friends there was the other gamers. Like, you don't have something else that you do. I think this is a big thing. If, if, if you're in school, you get to chill with, like, you go to, like, parties and all that. And you have, like, a friend group. And and it's just so hard when you're a gamer because you don't really go out the house. You don't have like your, you don't like play football. You don't go to play like basketball or whatever. Or like you don't be, you're not a gymnast if you're a girl. Uh, if, if if you play sports or like esports, all you, as a gamer living there, all you do, you go out the, the, the house when you go to the gym and when you go to the super supermarket or when you go out and eat. And that's just not like a good base for finding someone to hang out with. So I never actually got any friends in Atlanta, which really sucked. And it made it like pretty lonely at times. Because while like your friends on your team are really nice, if you've had some rough games and stuff, it, it's just nice to go somewhere else, you know. But you, you can't have that. You don't have a family. It's, it's just a different kind of support system. And that definitely made it like not as enjoyable. Um, it was kind of the same thing when I lived in Spain. But I guess it was just a bit easier to go out and everything because you could actually go out and drink. I couldn't in America as well because the drinking age was so high. So you can say I couldn't even go out to a bar and meet people. So I felt very, I felt like I was just living in my own tiny world, <laughs> you know. But it, it was definitely, it was fine. Like I I don't have any complaints. Like it was a pretty nice house. We had like pretty decent internet. I got to do what I enjoy doing, but it was pretty lonely, it's not home. Yeah, exactly. It's not home. Gotcha. That probably helped contribute a lot to burnout too, I bet. Yeah, for sure. That's another thing. Do you feel like you burned out a little bit more being in the 
in the house. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's, I mean, that's what I said. If, if Smite, like, these past year, if, the, if it would have been a European league or something, I probably would have been much more likely to keep on playing uh, just because it's so much <clears throat> closer to home and you get to, like, go out and have fun with alcohol or whatever. Like, you actually have ways and means of meeting people. And I think as a European, it's a lot easier to connect to someone else that is European uh, than to connect to someone from the, like, southern states. Uh, we It's just people have different mindsets. Like, don't get me wrong. Americans are some of the nicest people you can ever meet. But it doesn't go that much. Like, it's really hard to get a deep connection with someone <laughs> like an American, you know? Uh, Not always as personal. Yeah, it's it's so much like, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much. Have a nice day, whatever. Like, for instance, we don't actually do that in Denmark. We don't go out and say every to everyone we meet, hello, how are you? Uh, have a nice day or whatever. Like we don't, we're not overly nice, but it, it's a lot easier to like actually get into a deep conversation with someone or something uh, from my personal experience. Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't talk to people like that at all. I sit and I basically stay in my house as much as possible. But then I do a podcast and talk to everybody. So I'm weird. Yeah. I talk to everyone through my house. Yeah. It's pretty much the gamer life, I'm pretty sure. That's a cultural thing, I think. You know, I couldn't tell you my neighbors' names. When I was a kid, I knew all my neighbors. But when I grew up and people started, like, the world started changing, I don't talk to my neighbors because they freak me out. <laughs> oh, our neighbor in America was something else. He was uh, he was quite, <laughs> he was pretty racist. It was, uh, it was not good. Oh, no. I don't, I don't <laughs> think that story is going to make the cut, so I'm not going to tell it. But let's just say that he was proper, he probably had like the Confederate flag in his home, you know. Oh, mm. my. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it would be really awkward for anyone to like live right beside that, especially... It's just coming over yeah. for something like yeah, that. Atlanta, Georgia, it's, the South. Too, yeah, so. it's just crazy because, like, I don't feel threatened at all. Because, I mean, hell, I'm a, a ginger with like green blue eyes, you know. <laughs> like, like I'm literally as blonde as it goes, you know. Uh, but it's it's still wild to to think that at least where we live, that that's just uh, every day, you know. Like, there's a right. history for a reason. Um, so I definitely think it would have been different, like, say, if we were to live in California, like, maybe more in the northern states. Uh, there was a bit too much fried chicken and a bit too much, like, <clears throat> I don't know how to say it. Like, it, it just felt so, like, torn apart when it came to, like, the different groups living there. Like, yeah, I don't know, like, literally at the gym. For instance, like yeah, that's just all American. Everyone playing basketball, it would only be black people uh, that played basketball, and then the white guys would like be pumping iron, you know, uh, or whatever. And then there's the old Asian people in the swimming pool. Like it was very divided, and it didn't feel very inviting in a sense. And I think that was like a it was like a freeway thing. I don't think anyone's like be- better or worse than others, which is kind of weird because like it's like the land. Like there's so much diversity in America. But people always find like their cliques and their whatever you want to say, you know, within those communities, which was kind of weird. But I, I think that's just like a South State thing. Maybe like it at least like there's some kind of multiplier where the further South you get to an extent. Yeah, it might be worse in the South, but that's pretty much like all America. It's just 
the way we are now. You always find the people that are like you have stuff in common with. And yeah, no, yeah, for sure. It's interesting though because you kind of get you not being from here have that uh, outside perspective to kind of see how things are a little different. That maybe me being somebody who sees it every day would just totally not notice. <clears throat> Um, so next question I have for you now, uh, I completely failed miserably on my segue into all this first time hosting. Please bear with me. For those of you who don't know, Mealzy, big support player. We all love him. Recently retired and uh, a bunch of hearts broke doing all that. Uh, he, you did your retirement video, which I watched pro- I think three times, uh, before this episode just because i was like hey, is there it's just that good right well oh, yeah. like <laughs> i i get i'm interested in behind the scenes stuff because the, it's like smite's a great example where we have in the casual community realistically we don't have a ton of idea what goes on behind the scenes and your video kind of elaborated a lot on some of the org side of stuff that maybe we didn't know about like with the pay and uh, changes like that, and dare I say, you know, the, sh- the shifty crap happening behind the scenes where they, in my opinion, screwed you guys over. Uh, did did you have any backlash from that video from anyone or uh, not? I, like the response was surprisingly nice. I thought there was going to be at least like twenty percent people just saying I was a a greedy idiot, you know? Because there is always some expectation like when you don't take 30k for playing video games there's always going to be that one person that's like hell man you 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 should just be happy you're getting paid you know but this is like a career this is something i've been doing for six years you know i think i get to have expectations uh but there was no one really drew that argument at least from what i've seen everyone was really supportive there was like some backlash from the orcs uh some of the owners like messaged me directly and they wanted to like sit down and talk with me uh and that it it didn't happen um but i i think i might have burned a few bridges but i don't i don't really mind you know like i'm probably not gonna be in these spots too much anymore so it's like i just think if you act in a certain way you should probably be punished and I'm hoping uh, that people are going to get punished. I know there were some meetings between uh, the players, excuse me, and uh, and and the actual staff from Hyrus, like the higher-ups, uh, just to kind of talk over what is going to change going forward with the Orcs. And I think the Orcs got a pretty big, like, you can't do this, you know, like... This is mm-hmm. this is bad. Um, I don't well, you think show, huh? you put a pretty big spotlight on what was going on that they probably didn't want everybody to know about. Yeah, it's it, it's it's easy to be scummy when you have people in a position of like uh, almost anxiety that they're not going to do what they like, and people aren't gonna. It, I I wouldn't even call it whistleblowing because like it, this is just literally just stupidity that the orcs would ever do something like that. Like. They, I like they even admitted to having a group chat, which is like it is just a fact. But they couldn't really do anything because they like they knew there was a group chat, but because they didn't know the contents of the group chat, like there isn't a problem with 
eight org leaders having a group chat, it's only like if they write something. So like we had proof of the chat, but we didn't have proof of whatever was in it. So I don't think they couldn't like couldn't do too much. But I mean, we saw that even uh, one of the orcs got dropped, uh, and then Sanguine got picked up, which which really stirred up a lot because there was like when Sanguine got picked up. It was pretty clear that Sanguine was gonna go with Sanguine, so so that meant that there was only at that. I think by the time Rogue got dropped, there was only literally two Rogue and uh, another Orc was like the last Orcs, and then everyone was just fighting for that last Orc, <laughs> which was wild. And that last Orc just cut a really really good deal, which was the whole point in the first place. But the the, the only problem with me is that I kind of decided to quit i guess a bit too late like too many people that had already signed their contracts and since there wasn't actual proof you can just void the contracts like from the league's perspective as well like you gotta treat the orc with a bit of respect because like we just gotta realize that smite isn't the biggest game ever and if you start scaring orcs away that's just not it's not good but i still think there should be I, I always thought the way it should go down with negotiations between the players and the orcs is that the players should have an association, then there should be the league, and then you should have the orcs, and they should probably just negotiate like a minimum salary between them instead of just there, like the league just setting up minimum salary and then giving a bag of money. Like we literally did, Hyrus didn't want to tell us how much money they, they gave to the orcs because that the orcs wanted that like us not knowing is us having leverage like if we knew the number we would have leverage because they got more money and if we knew that we would be like why are you lowering our salary but we didn't get told because uh, I think the orcs kind of had high risk by their balls um, but yeah I mean I think a few the, I noticed like a few teams kind of ended up with a good deal but I think in general if you look at the league I'm biased but I think like the skill level has dropped and the competitive edge or whatever like the competitive integrity whatever of the league has dropped a bit as well obviously I know the teams that's for you to decide when they all get out and I also think well I know that the salary has gone down and I just don't I just think that's the wrong way to look at it like there's a lot of good players that should be in the league that aren't in the league either because they didn't want to sell themselves like super cheap or just because they were just like "Um, (laughs) I'm just not gonna be a part of this anymore like me you know, uh, so I think it's kind of self-destructive in a way. Yeah, I mean, you may have burned some bridges, but I mean, no one who fights for change ever does it completely clean. You kind of have to burn some bridges to get people's attention. Yeah, for sure. There's always going to be those idiot orcs that just comes into Smythe and then they just grab the money and they literally make like the the thing is that the orcs get small money than they actually have to play the players. Like they get. The amount of money they get to cover the salaries is higher than the minimum salary, if that makes sense. So from the scratch, they actually make money off you. And then they start demanding price winning cuts as well and all that. And that just means that you, you, you have a net gain. So a lot of orcs would smite what they'll do is they'll literally just, or what they did, like a few of the orcs, they just cashed out. They're like, you really want a spot. That's fine. Like we, we won't really care too much about you. Like we'll do the tweets and all that. Uh, but we're gonna make money. You guys are gonna get a spot. You, you, we're gonna give you guys a shot or whatever. Everyone is gonna be happy, you know. And that's just not a spot you want to be in. Like you want to have co-investing organizations. If it comes to someone getting paid minimum salary, you might as well have high risk paid a minimum salary, you know. And then, 
Like, like the Orcs should invest into the league as well. Because it should be in everyone's best interest for the league to grow. But when an Orc comes in and is scared to invest their own money into the league, which some of the Orcs are doing it. Like, Pittsburgh Knights was one of the Orcs that invested heavily into the league. And they lost big on us as well because we didn't win anything. But but when you have, have Orcs that just go in and they're like, we'll just give you guys a... This is the salary we can give you. We're going to make money. We know we're going to be in the positive. And then they're going to get all this free... Like, I don't even know what, what do you even call it. Like, they're going to get all this free exposure on top of it as well. Like, if, if, if the players had the powers, you just wouldn't go with an Orc. Like, it's so... Before, in, before Season 5, when they changed everything... The teams didn't have an orc for that exact reason. Like, why would you have an orc for the sake of having an orc if they weren't going to give you anything? And Obey and Obey, like, we got a pretty decent salary and Obey got a price cut and that was it, you know? But, like, they invested money into the game. Uh, and I'm, I've been lucky with all the orcs I've been and there have been orcs that have, have invested money into the game. Uh, but I, I don't, I could, I really couldn't see that with a lot of the orcs next year. And that's, for me, that was just a sign that the league is in, in, it's, it's declining. It, it's not a future in it if something doesn't change. And I, I, that was just not something I felt comfortable being a part of anymore. And then obviously I didn't want to, I, I really didn't want to be so far away from my family and all that. So I was just like, screw it, man. I'm going to stop, not necessarily at the top, but I'm going to stop like, while I feel like I, this is a good time to stop for me as well. Like, I'm kind of at the peak of my career. It, I, I'm, I, like, if I win Worlds, that's the only thing I didn't achieve that I really wanted to achieve. And that's it, you know? I feel like I've been around the block with pretty much anything else. Like, I've won pretty much everything besides Worlds, which is the big thing, but... Yeah. What do you uh, What do you think Pyrez has to do to fix Smite? Do you think this, the players need to get together and just... I don't know, I kind of say uh, no more i just think it's too late like i'd really really wish that the i i really really hope that the league survives like that's like i really really want that because there's awesome people in high risk there's awesome orcs there's really really i like all the players really really want the league to succeed while some of the players might be kind of lazy when it comes to content and all that which i think is a fair argument because some of the players are really lazy uh yeah anyway what can the league do they can, like, it, I'm just worried it's too late because the whole moving the league to Atlanta, it, it's a good idea to, to like, get the webcams and, like, do content and all that. But the issue is, like, how much content did we actually have with all of us living so close to the studios? Like, as a player, I had to pay, because I didn't have a car, I had to pay $80 to go and flip a fucking water bottle and then drive home. What are the chances that I'm going to show up to do a piece of content like every, once a week if I have to pay that amount of money? Like they should literally, they should literally say, all right, we're going to, it's it's just like work in an extent. Like we are independent contractors. If you have an independent contract, you're probably going to play for pay for the transport, right? Or at least make sure that something is working. Like we're literally, we don't. We don't get the benefits that other people do. Like, we don't have health insurance. We don't get pensions. We, we don't have, like, insurance. Like, our job security is we have 14 days paid leave, but, pe- like, the orcs can kick us whenever they want. So, like, <laughs> there's just some things that Hyrule should probably do. Like, as for an example, they should pay for the players to come to the studio and do content. 
they shouldn't pay the players, but they should at least make sure that they don't have any expenditures when it comes to that. Or if they do, they should make some kind of stipend that can go into your salary. Because if I have to go to the studio and pay, say, $200 a month for transport to the studios, that's a lot of money out of my minimum salary of $2,500. Like, like <laughs> that is almost 10% of my salary I'm using. And if I'm just going to flip a water bottle, chances are that I'm going to be pissed off and I'm not going to put in the effort <laughs> that you want me to, you know? Um, yeah. Right. Yeah, I definitely feel you there. That does not sound optimal. Yeah, so so you should you should have Harry should really try and incentivize content and push that really hard because the league needs it. Uh, but I'm just scared it's too late because we've had so many seasons now, and Smite is an awesome game. Like I think Smite the game is gonna keep going for for so long, like at least another five or six years if they don't screw up. But we have you have to be real, realistic how many people actually really do play ranked and play conquest and are, and are interested like they can say all they want that numbers are peaking and numbers are rising but i don't think it's it's it is it doesn't take rocket science to look at it and say that someone was probably view butting the the mixer streams at the start of the year like there were 20,000 viewers and there was like 84 people interacting with the the quizzes or whatever you know <laughs> and the chat is literally going slower than my chat when I stream. So you just have. Do you it, think that hurt him a little bit going like exclusively to Mixer? Yeah, it 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 hurt them, but it also allowed them to make the move that the league needed to survive. Um, so it was like it was like you 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 cut off a limb to save another. You know, uh, it wasn't. I just wish that in like season two or three they would have made that drastic change. I probably wouldn't have played then because I would have been too young. But that's one thing. And then Hyrus finally they're doing like a good amateur scene, and that only took them seven years or six years. Um, it's nice that there's finally a really really good amateur scene, and I think that's something we've been pushing a lot a lot for because you need that semi competitive, semi pro environment beneath the, the league to constantly refresh the league and, and make sure that people actually f- know they can get to the big stage themselves uh, like in an easy and accessible way uh, but I don't know I honestly don't think unless something changes drastically that SPL has like I don't think that next season is going to be the last one but I think in 20, 2021 might be like the last iteration of the league. I mean maybe even next year they won't the league won't be in Atlanta like there'll still be a pro league but it probably won't be in Atlanta because you have to remember this year it's Hyrus investing their own money into this my pro league and how many people are really watching this my pro league and how many new players is it really attracting? The answer is it's probably pretty minimal compared to how many ads you could run for like 10 million dollars so how much ever they spent on the, the players because what they give like stipends to eight teams that's like a few million dollars and then you have all the other costs of running a league you have a full department focusing on esports and it's not just skillshot anymore it's high own own department now um so yeah we'll we'll, we'll see I don't know what they can do to fix it, honestly. I I think it might be too late, but I really hope they fix it. And I think if it needs to be fixed, they need to push content super, super hard and they need to, they actually just need to put in in in-game content and they need to make sure that it's interesting to the average casual player to watch competitive smite. You need to create some kind of relation between the players. Like you need to create stories so, so people have someone to relate to and someone to idolize and someone to look up to. 
Because right now we only have a few people in Smite where people look up to them and idolize them in a big way. You have like Barracuda, Weekend, and Adapting, right? And Jeff Hindler, but he doesn't mm-hmm. play anymore. And Emilzy, but he's also... Emilzy Quinn. <laughs> yeah, well, even, yeah. You, that's nice of you to say that. <laughs> uh, even I wasn't that big. Like, sure, I had my following, but is it? I maybe had like two or three hundred people that like really enjoyed watching me play, which is a lot. But in the grand scheme of things, like... Those two, three hundred people, if, if Hyrus took the salary I've gotten over the years and the price winnings I've gotten over the years and they targeted ads, chances are that would have probably kept them more involved. Like, I'm sorry to say, but that's that's probably just the truth. And I I think I I'm, might be guilty of that myself, that I didn't push content enough for Hyrus, but I, I more did it in an egotistical way on my own channel rather than push it on someone else's channel. But there just never was an incentive because... The, the like the abilities to to create content for someone else was so limited and i i know for a fact that last year they didn't have the time to do content because it was skillshot and skillshot said you guys have one hour on wednesdays to use the film crew because skillshot was worried about growing skillshot's brand and not growing smite as an esport all the things people don't think about opening mm-hmm. doors right now um now, I, this is probably a pipe dream of mine that I've always thought, because I was never happy about it when they said that they're bringing everybody to Atlanta, because that was the year I was like, well, like every team I follow is EU related. Do you, do you think uh, there's ever a chance of returning to that format where the the EU guys can stay home and play again yeah i think they will i think they might do that next year like the year after because i don't think they're just gonna completely kill off smitey's boss like they're probably still gonna do it to some extent they're just gonna lower the cost because it's it's probably still profitable for them to have like a, a lower cost league get like getting run um so i mean i think they might you also gotta remember one thing that was really awesome before was that you had the nae rivalry like you literally don't have yeah. that anymore you don't have like a like, we got really lucky that SK won, because that was a great story. But say if Rival wins, your best story probably is that Captain Twig finally wins his first world championship, which is awesome. But besides that, you don't... It's not the best storyline ever, you know? It's it's not a storyline that you, like, remember or whatever. It's not like EU, NA. Like, there, there's no competition. Like, if you think about the final, if you look back at it, like, it was SK Rival. It was what eight american guys and and two europeans and and there was no rivalry it was just sk versus rival like we had seen that so many times before it it just adds something else when teams that don't usually play clash in the big tournaments and and that's mm, i I really preferred the two league system with the una yeah, I, I, that's the kind of the year I got into watching Smite as an esport was when I think it was United and Polar Bear Mike came out, you know, and had the flag and all that. And like he was super hyped about it. It was finally the time that NA won something because it's been energy I in them. That world. I was what? there. Oh, were you? Yeah, actually, actually looking at it now, I was actually looking at my, uh, my, my little lanyards, and I realized, oh yeah, I have a Millsy signature on. <laughs> and I've been, you know, and I, and I've been, I've been a rival fan since I started, and you know, seeing them lose in second place every year gets me. That's the like the big storyline with them, I think. But 
It's got to be rough. Second place there. <sighs> so close. But, uh, it's got to be rough, but it's still pretty cool. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's Smite's lucky, though, because they got, like, all the teams have likable people on it. Like, you know, everyone loves a Mealsy. Everyone loves a Roar. You know, there's just so many good guys we got out there. It's a shame to see so many retiring right now. It's a shame to see a lot of technical issues in the world's. Mm-hmm. And restarts and computers being changed out. Persephone breaking everything. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, what were uh, what were your thoughts on that, Emil Z? I actually had the uh, bug myself doing dual championships. I had like the my 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 uh, D key or whatever got stuck. It was like every occur- occurring bug. Uh that it was the same thing that happened in the Dignitas set. You like move around too much. The PC just registered it as like you per map press the button so like say i press d all the time so i would always tilt to the right and i had to hold an a to like kind of even that out you know <laughs> hmm. wow that's, that's it, crazy. it's crazy because it was anyone with hyper x peripherals that had the issues and it's just crazy that they don't do testing on different peripherals uh especially with such a common brand as hyper x because i know probably half the league uses hyper x uh uh, it's it's the biggest sponsor by far when it comes to peripherals, so it, it makes no sense. It's it's just it seemed very lousy, uh, and I think that's just like a common theme. It's sort of like at least with Skillshot, I I don't think there will be as much with Cyrus, but with with Skillshot there was a lot of like, let's just put like, I don't know, like t- tape on the water, or whatever. Like I don't know what the saying is, but there's like a lot of half-assed uh, solutions to a lot of issues. And eventually, stuff's just gonna break. And I mean, we we'd been knowing it. There's literally a god that hasn't been playable for the past three years, Morrigan, because she's just mm, been breaking yeah. the game and she's been breaking spectator. And we're like, just do a new spectator. Like I don't care. And they're like, well, a new spectator is gonna bring new problems, sure. But like, just make something from the ground up then, and then fix it. You know, like at least you're gonna have something to play around with. And I hope a new spectator is going to be coming. As, uh, and and I hope they're going to fix these issues that we we've been having. And I hope they're going to be more, a bit more clear in the ruling. Because I think for like the way the admins acted about everything was fine from the way like the rules were. But I think the rules like might need to change a bit when it comes to like at least big tournaments and and, and interference and all that. Uh, with with issues like hardware issues. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure why they didn't restart the the one set where Adaraxia was having well, problems. Well, then restart, yeah, they, reset the next. Set. They literally can. So the issue is like they don't. We don't have free pause because uh, you don't. You want to avoid the whole combat pause situation because that's a that's another. <laughs> there's no clear rules when it comes to combat pausing, right? So like that's a case on case based discussion you gotta have about combat pausing. So to avoid that, we don't have free pause. So everyone has to be out of combat. Um, which is an issue because you're limiting yourself. Everyone has to get out of combat early game. But even if you pause the game as they did and they ask for the restart, you can't restart the game after the minion spawn. Like you have 60 seconds to make sure everything is all right. And then you can't do it. So like the decision was fine because that's what the rules stated. But then you got to ask yourself, like either the rules got to change or you got to make sure that we can actually free pause. And then you just got to take the consequence. And then if someone... It's gonna end up combat pulsing. You just gotta do it on that case, like case to case basis. Cause it, I would rather have like one super big controversy about 
a tough decision on someone combat pulsing rather than seeing someone lose games at the world championships because their keyboard gets stuck and it's not their own fault, you know? Yeah, that just doesn't... It really sucks that stuff like that had to happen, but uh, I feel like they handled it the best they could at the with the current rule set. But yeah, I think that definitely something needs to change in that area. I definitely agree because, you know, how fair is it to literally get like first blooded for free or whatever it was? I, I forget exactly what happened in that game, but... Do you think you will be attending HRX as a fan? It depends if I have time and like if I want. It it really depends how involved I'm gonna stay. I think uh, I'd like to, but it's also it's a long trip to take. So if everything aligns perfectly, uh, I I will be. But if not, maybe next year. <laughs> this will be my first year, so if you do show, I will make sure I get some loud, annoying, clappy thing for you to sign. <laughs> We got a little bit of a, a hypothetical situation. Say here, say that uh, Harris does go back to them playing back at their own their own homes, pretty much. And do you think they could open up the league again up to sixteen teams total, like eight NA NAEU or yeah, maybe over time. But like you'd have to start a, probably like sixteens per region or something like that. Um but yeah, I mean they could I mean we had ten teams once. But it takes time because you need to make sure that there is actually teams enough players, you know? I think I'm really excited to see like some new people come up. I feel like I've seen a lot of the same names or at least names that I've been hearing a long time. I want like a new guy to come out and be interesting. Like the last one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's some people where you just think, why is this guy in the league? And then there's some people who think this guy's actually really good. He's a big talent. I think this whole Sam Paul thing these past few, few years has been really good for the league. But the issue is like, they're really good players, but you don't really see them much outside. And also Sam and like they both stream and all that, you know, uh, which is nice. But where is the push from Hyrus with trading these player line stories again? Like we haven't seen anything push it, you know, like it's such a good storyline. These two guys played together in, in the combine and then they, they had a really good performance last year at Worlds and then this year they just won. But you, you don't see like a storyline getting pushed, so... It's, it's something just needs to change fundamentally. Do you think that adding like an in-game uh, SPL like tab would be something that would help them? For sure. Like you look at like all- a highlight reel section. Yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah. You know, player story profiles. Yep. That would be that would be awesome. I think. Like they actually did that last year, where you could like pick the teams you wanted to win, not well, just past season, season, but the season before. That was oh, that was literally obnoxious, though. Like they weren't up to date. The UI was horrible, and but if they like look at a game like CS, it's super clean. It has five taps, and one of them is literally just competitive. And so many people click on it. They have matches on the home screen, like pretty big up there. Like, but I guess then again, like people pay for CS, and Smite has different priorities because it's a free-to-play game. CS is free now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's free, but you'd still want prime matchmaking, for sure. 
Unless you're gonna have to deal with hackers every game. <laughs> yeah. My my little brother tells me all about that all the time. Okay. Does anybody have anything else pro level related or I would uh I would wanna know what um when you guys are like doing your scrims and like testing uh testing gods and testing comps and stuff, what is what is that like? Like what's the environment in your scrims? <laughs> Yeah, when we're testing out a comp, usually we just look for like um we make sure that we have good early game, you gotta have good late game and, and usually it's not so much testing out a comp, it's more testing out a pick. Like we, we don't just completely draft off a new comp and play it. You slowly like transition. So you say you have something that works, then you swap out one or two guards, and then you see like you don't just wanna have five new guards and just say let's just play this way, you know? It, I mean, you can, but it's hard because if it goes wrong, you don't know what about it is wrong. Whereas you like kind of do an easy transition when you, there's only like a few factors you change. It's a lot easier to to point out what's good and what's bad. Okay, that's awesome. Thank you. I was just gonna say I don't know if anyone had said anything, but we play in a low level league setting often. Uh, this is like the third split we're gonna try, right? Mm-hmm. Split three. So you know. <laughs> Looking for tips. <laughs> yeah. Uh, support? I got a whole new respect for that role because I got slopped into that this last split and it is way different than Solo. <laughs> yeah, Merkin didn't really enjoy the whole support <laughs> thing, I don't think. Yeah, I got I got my butt kicked quite a bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, before, like, because like, Solo lane, it's kind of a slap fight. I mean, there's a little more intricacies, but you know, support, I gotta worry about the rest of the map instead of just my little island. And that was a big thing to try to adjust to. And this was also, we pulled Murrican from never playing Conquest before, straight into quote-unquote competitive play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was uh, just playing Duel and Assault and all the other modes, because I had Conquest anxiety really bad. And uh, I'm over it. Now I only play Conquest, so... Yeah, we broke him with that. That's should, for sure. Now, should we... We've kind of just been grilling Emil Z uh, with our own questions. Should we move into some guest questions now? Yeah, probably a good idea. All right. All right. I can I can start. <laughs> Got it? Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so the first thing we have here is from Majin Busha. Uh, his first question is, what is his favorite saying other than Boone's name is backward as noob? <laughs> <laughs> Boons, <laughs> uh, that's a classic. Boons names back when it's new. Uh, never gets old. Probably like, what is going on? Like, what are you doing? Oh, what else do I say often? Um, I feel like that's such a support saying. <laughs> you like, see, yeah. see them, hold them still, and then you look backwards, and they're like just autoing the wall, and you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what is going on? Um, but I think another good thing is. Yamin always said, like, he, he just pointed out the most obvious things. He's like, you have two hands for a reason. And he said, like, you have two eyes for a reason. Well, one thing that Yamin said was, like, actually really funny. Uh, we, he kind of coached us a bit before world, the world championships. And I think Defogo was playing uh, Janus and he missed every unstable vortex. <laughs> so Yamin's just like, literally, he just said, 
Therefore, I don't know what you're doing, but if you keep missing, you might as well build Telkines and Demonic Grip and just start basic at something, which was like the <laughs> funniest thing ever. That was the best oh way of, my of saying yeah. something. But I think, yeah, I don't know. I, I like Boone's name back with his new. That's probably it. Uh, next up, we have Dirtnab's dad, which is actually my dad, just for your curiosity's sake. Um, what was your favorite thing about playing support in the SPL? Um, probably like my other support colleagues. I think there's so much diversity and, and such a high skill ceiling uh, the past few years in the support roles. I think there's been a lot of good players and the competition was yeah, always you, really enjoyable. You definitely hear about a lot of good supports right now. It's like Emil Z, Aurore, um, oh, I'm trying to remember PBM. that. Mm-hmm. PBM and... Um, there's one more that I was trying to think of that I hear of all the time. Jeff. Raffer. Oh, Jeff. yeah, Raffer. Raffer. Jeff and Raffer. Yeah. Raffer's Horus. That's what stands out to me. I wasn't really a big Raffer fan before, but watching him play Horus at Worlds, I definitely became one. <laughs> right. Um. So now we have from Fro Double G. Uh, was language ever a barrier while playing in EU? Yeah, I think he meant NA. <laughs> or NA, yeah. Come on, I mean, Fro. <laughs> It might have been EU. For NA, no. If it if the question is EU, um, I guess he means with like other uh, Europeans because we have different accents and all that. Mm-hmm. I mean, specific. I had an all European team. Like in the start, it was a bit hard to understand both, but like you get used to it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. like you can obviously you can hear what he's saying, but there's sometimes where you just like, what what did you just say or whatever? If he's kind of mumbling or something. Uh, but it it wasn't really an issue for me. Like English has been one of the things I've been good at for a while. So just kind of picking up at the different uh, the, the different dialects and and just kind of understanding them. It it it's been alright. Cool, awesome. Um, how was traveling the world so young for you? It was scary. I feel. So- I feel grown up in a lot of aspects compared to my friends, and obviously they are in other aspects. But there's definitely a lot more. Uh, you're a lot more on your own, you know. Like you, you figure out how to do stuff on your own, whether that's you, like knowing how to do your own laundry or finding your way around an airport, or there's like certain things that would seem to be like adulting things that I, I'm probably better at than my parents which is uh, something I got from traveling but it's been it's been such a gift honestly just to travel around I've been to I think at least like seven or eight different countries now just with smile uh, and it's been free so I mean I'll take it yeah that's definitely awesome okay um Next, we have another from Fro. Did you prefer Cobb or the Congress Center? Cobb for sure. Like, uh, it's it's just way more intimate, and it's it's all about like Hyrus, which is way more awesome. Like, there's not it's it's way it's smaller. The stage is pretty much the same capacity, but it's like smaller, more intricate. It's dedicated people to to your game. It's such it's so big. The Congress Center. Uh, I I really like Cobb. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the people I heard go say, you know, like, it was really cool, it was an awesome venue, but it kind of felt detached a little bit, because if you weren't by Smite, 
you weren't hearing Smite. You know what I mean? You were yeah, hearing all kinds yeah. of other things all day, and you're like... Smite was all the way in the very back corner on top of it. Yeah, so you're just like, come on, before, like, I want to get to my... Sh- I want to get to my smite, like, come on. And, you know, at the Cobb Center, you walk in and it's all smite all the time. So I feel like just in general, just even just knowing that right there, I feel like just the Cobb Center has just got to be a better option. We'll Maybe, see uh, next season. We'll yeah. see. I mean, the Congress Center, I'm sure, was good for exposure. But for actual, like, synergy of the crowd and stuff like that, I feel like Cobb would be a lot better. It was pretty hot this year, though. It was a standing room there for the, the final set. So it was a, uh, it was definitely good. It it was nice, but the most high final level was still uh, United versus uh, rival. Oh, I bet. Yeah, Season I haven't. Four. I haven't had a chance to go to the Cobb Center, so hopefully this year that was wild. Understand it's going to be there. So okay. Next, we have a uh, Pro Killer XD. Who is the best support player in SPL after your retirement? <laughs> Um, so I guess he's saying you were the best, which is a okay compliment. Thank you very much. We'll take that. Uh, It's hard to (laughs) say, like, it's a boring answer, but it's it's so hard to say who's the best. Like, different people are so good at different things, but probably the most complete support that has the biggest impact on his team would probably be Polar by Michael. Um, for good and worse, he'll probably be the best now. I think another one is like Rafa has a lot of impact on his team. Uh, raw to say there's just a lot of really good names out there what do you think um, about pbm's uh use of sunder for his relic i didn't see anyone else do that well it's smart because it benefits the way that rival wants to play the game with this hyper aggressive uh kill style like like they are not gonna let you be annoying because you are on the constant threat of being sundered and it just benefits the way they play so for the rival playstyle, it's the perfect relic pickup. For anything else, I really dislike it. But for the way they play the game, it's it's perfect. Yeah, I feel like the way people play and the way people think is a really big deal. So it's really hard to say, like, oh, this person's the best. Um, next up, we have... Scroll down, because a lot of these are the same. All right, so we have Cole Feltman. Is professional video gaming a viable dream for someone to have? Can anyone become a professional gamer through hard work? Hard work, luck, and, like, just literally discipline and being nice, for sure. Like, you don't want to burn bridges. You want to be nice, but not overly nice. Like, you don't want to seem too demanding. But for Smite, I think if you put in a lot of hard work, you might be able to, because I think, it's one of the easier spots to go pro in, just because it's a bit more like the player base is tinier. Obviously, it's definitely a viable dream. Like not not just for Smite, but any game. Like it's awesome everything it brings. If you get into one of the bigger games, you can get a really good salary, like a lot higher than you can get anywhere else. You get to travel around the world. You you literally make friends for life, and there's a lot of. Uh, career prospects in esports. A lot of the people I've talked to, they would probably rather have someone in a lot of jobs that that what you have to to realize as an esports player is that you learn to like be on a team and perform at elite level with different people from different countries and different cultures and different age, age groups and that's something like team teams all over in like the private sector and companies that's something that they invest so much money into so just getting such a resource is such a big thing for career prospects so i mean if 
yeah, it's possible. It's hard work, but it's also picking the right game at the right time. Like right now, say you want to get really good at CS, it's a bit of a gamble because you might reach the level you want to in like three years, two years maybe. And then you have to get on the team and then probably you're going to start up and build your way up. And by the time you're going to make one of the top teams, who knows, maybe that's not the game that's super hot anymore. So you kind of have to pick a game where you think this game is going to be really pop him off in like one or two years and then you just grind so grind it super hard and, and try and like stream is always a good thing make connections just be the nice guy you know um make sure your skills are known and then just you'll get there it, it's awesome it's 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 so revolting it's if you love competing i mean go for it you get to travel you get a salary you get friends you get you get to live your dream, basically. Awesome. Next up, we have um, from SB. What was your um, favorite set to play in throughout your career? Uh, oh, that's a few sets that pops into my mind now. Uh, Energy Bay Spring Split Season 4. Because like, that was the first time Energy had been beaten in one and a half year. Uh, that was right. a really high upset. Yeah. Then I think when I we... actually might have been watching that one. Yeah, then Obey and when I when I played with Obey against Dignitas in the Masters final. Uh, and we won. Like we were down two one and then we won three two. That's really hype. Uh energy, obviously like summer finals was really hype when free old rival twice. Uh that that's just when I felt like the most at top ever in my career, when I felt undefeatable or whatever you want to say. And then the qualifiers back in season four as well for the world championships. We beat Elevate 3 2. And in game five I pulled out Hell Support and we won with that. That was really memorable. And then I gotta say, like, even though we lost this year's quarterfinal against Dignitas is probably gonna be the most memorable because just playing in front of such a crowd and, and my family was just crazy and like we got we got to win the game as well you know so the hype was just insane right yeah i can't imagine the amount of like intensity that comes with winning a game on that stage um so next up from sb we have uh can you give any insight into what your roster may have looked like for season seven uh, it's probably going to be pretty easy to guess once all the rosters are out. And I'll probably hint that as well, but no. I'm not going <laughs> to say anything. That's up to yeah. my roster to Sorry, announce. Denied, SB. Come on, SB. You're trying to cheat. Alright. Um, here, this is from Pugo87. This is more of a uh, more of a comment, but I figured I'd read it. Emilzi, just want to make sure it's said again. Thanks for the high level of play. High level of character you displayed to help the SPL grow, and thanks for everything you did to help Smite and the SPL. You will be missed. Oh, thank you. And then uh, this is the last one I have in the Discord. Uh, Licit Sleet asks, "What helped you improve the most on your way through the SPL, or to the SPL? Sorry, well, to the SPL. Yes, to the SPL. To the SPL, it was probably um, it was probably." Like just playing and watching streams and like trying to literally just sniping, but like be a good sniper, you know, don't troll. But I sniped and I just try hard at 
And I would hear what the person had to say about me. I remember back when cross regions was a thing. I'd always like trying it in the Sadman's queue. Because he was the shit back then. And he played ADC. So I'd be his support. And be like oh wow this like this is good. This is bad. I'd watch back his stream. Uh, stuff like that. Just like get other people's perspective on your own game. And like watching back your own gameplay as well. That's, that's the way to improve the most. If you feel like you're stagnating. Emphasis yeah, on like- not trolling. <laughs> Yeah, emphasis on not trolling, but I also oh, feel DM like Brandon that you control. Yeah, you control him. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, the I think something he said there really important that not a lot of people do is watching your own gameplay back yourself. Sometimes you'll just look at it and you'll look at what you did and you will say, "What was I on? When did I do it? And how did I let this happen?" Because I've made some plays where I look at it from the top instead of like, you know, behind my God, instead from over the top. And I'm like, I am, I don't have a brain. Like, I just <laughs> don't have one. So, you know, watching your own footage back can be a really good indicator of what is going wrong in your games if you're having problems. I wish Smite had a replay system like that where you could just go back. And- they do for right. Yeah. And it's fucking shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I need to put that in the intro. (laughs) Yeah, it's fucking shit. (laughs) I think you gotta ask this question from Dirt Nash Dad. He wants to know if you're the king of the Sylvanas pools. Oh, I did miss that one. I might. I guess I might be now, actually. Probably. I don't. I've definitely done some crazy ones throughout my career. You've had some magnetic hands. (laughs) Yeah, it's. It's it's just when I've really just played Savannah's with like that phrase you you miss all the shots you don't shoot or whatever. Um I like the all the shots you don't take. And I think that also just kinda comes down to like you get a pretty good idea of people's movement and you kinda with specific players you get to see a pattern and you probably predict how they're gonna move and if that person is not actively trying to juke it, but he's just kind of running around and maybe trying to juke other abilities as well, it can be pretty easy to just line up and get a crazy pull, even though it looks super hard. Like, the hardest pull to do is the one where the person knows you're going to Savannah's pull them. Any CC that they know is coming is going to be the hard CC to hit, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Unless it's, like, some stupid Chang'al. <laughs> but- Have you ever 360 Savannah's pull uh yeah, I think it's on my Instagram. <laughs> Check the gram. Yeah, people. yeah. We'll no, it it's it's not it's not that hard because I play with really low sense. So one swipe like across my whole mouse pad is like pretty much three sixty. So I oh, would yeah, do that yeah, on stream. I did it with Fafni Hammers once, where someone was like, "I'll donate a hundred dollars if you three sixty hit two Fafni Hammers in a row." And I did it in landing phase, and he's like, "Fuck me!" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "All right." Did he do it? Did he donate? Yeah, yeah, he did. Nice. He's like, "If you hit your next two Fafni Hammers three sixty, I'll donate a hundred dollars." So like, "All right, up for a challenge." <laughs> Uh, I got one in my DMs. Sinister Phoenix asked, "Why is Sin your favorite Twitch mod?" It gotta be the Capri dance. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Capri for dance sure. is just something that sticks out. It's amazing from Smite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We need to get everyone in the crowd at HRX simultaneously doing the Capri dance. Oh, yeah. Can you? Can we just imagine a t-shirt right now? A Smite t-shirt, right? It's a black t-shirt with Lobster Capri in the middle of his dance with his arms up. 
and there's just like smite stuff going on in the background but it's just like lobster capri doing the fucking dance i'll see what i can do that is a t-shirt right there because <laughs> <laughs> capri dance everybody loves capri dance unless they are capri dancing on your corpse you are loving the capri dance <laughs> and even then you probably respect it Alrighty. Uh, does anybody else have any other questions that need to get out there? Questions, comments? I would say, um, what do you think that if more people started uh, just lower end streaming, you know what I mean? Like not exactly going for weekend status, but just more people in the SPL and in the SML and all that. Do you think them streaming and putting more content on YouTube would bring the game to a more frontal point? Not really. Like, Smite is one of the esports that already has, like, the highest population of streamers between the pros. There's only s- such a big fan base, and just spreading, spreading out the population even more is not going to be favorable. Like, what you need to do is you need to do other content than streaming. You need to do, like, YouTube and Instagram, and, and it's going to sound troll, but, like, even do, like, shitty TikToks or something. I know some of the teams, other, like, esports teams are at the forefront, like, Space Station and and 100 Fees and all these big brands. Like, they put a lot of effort into that, but that that's just, it's not even the players that have to do it. It's just Hyrus or, like, the Orcs that have to do some kind of things with the players. But I don't think, like, everyone streaming is the solution. Actually, it's nice because there's more content, but if you have... 40 players streaming simultaneously you can have like a few players with two 300 viewers and one player maybe with a thousand and then the rest is gonna have like between 60 and 10 which is just not optimal like that's just it's so demoralizing when you stream and you have like six like monday you have 300 viewers and next day you have 10 you know like it's just not a sustainable solution it also dilutes the the other part of the community like the people that are just enjoying the game for fun and in intent making content from a, a like a content creator side instead of you know i'm a pro player come watch me is like no i'm sitting here trying to like show the fun side of smite not just the, like the mechanical stuff mm-hmm. yeah no i'm just you know trying to ask opinions i've heard around you know okay uh so yeah amelia's got a choice this week to speak was amaterasu who recently, well, sort of recently, became insanely relevant again. <laughs> yeah, she went from got beaten lane to um, you beat her in lane? Wow, good job. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. She was, if I, it's been a while since we saw SPL, but she, we were seeing her get banned an awful lot in our own games. <clears throat> She's just super strong with the whole invade meta that was at Worlds, especially as a support perspective it there's not a lot of guards that be Amaterasu at level one it's like Bellona is the only one I can think of that would ever beat Amaterasu in a 1v1 uh at level one and Bellona beats everyone so that was like a big reason and then Ama is just one of the warrior supports that scales well into the late game as well um so I mean she's awesome and there's yeah okay uh so do we want to start just for maybe some of the people out there that are not fluent in exactly what Ama does. Uh, I'm not going to worry about reading her lore. And if that's Yuki's thing, he's lore guy. Yeah, he can uh, he can su- sub that in at some point. So I will just go briefly through her her move set, and then uh, 
we will let Emilzi take it from there. Uh, Ama's passive is Illuminating Strike. Uh, she illuminates enemies she hits with her basics. After three hits on the same target, the enemy gains an aura, exposing their weakness and causing them to take more damage from all sources. Any other enemies that come near the afflicted target are weakened as well. Um, I love this passive, but it also feels weird. I literally had no clue that other enemies in the aura were affected as well. Ah, that's so key, I'm dude. such a troll. I'm such a troll. How do I not know this? That's why you hit three this same minion, and then you hit another minion. Like It's literally made so they hurt cast time one and two, so you can get six basics at point, like that, at that one attack speed. That just so busted. <laughs> <laughs> She's good. Um, the aura, what it does is it increases the damage they take by 10%. And you can have three of these auras up, um, which I'm sure Mills will go into more detail when he's talking about planner. Yep. Um, Amaterasu's one divine presence. Uh, Shiner's power of her jewel, healing herself every second for four seconds and creating a persistent aura that buffs nearby allied gods. Uh, every time this ability is activated, the aura switches between Valor and Benevolence. Uh, Valor gives you bonus power. Depending on whatever skin you use, that's what it'll look like. I think it's usually red. Um, but she gets between 10 and 30 bonus power. Benevolence increases movement speed. Um, this is, what, in my opinion, what got my attention on Ama was when they nerfed all the move speed abilities. And I kept thinking, I said, well, we're not going to have as many options for movement speed. So I felt like Ama was becoming important again. And I started playing her a lot. And then she got even more. <laughs> she got stronger than I was expecting. Uh, Heavenly Reflection is when she charges the mirror behind her. And uh, she gains mitigations and then shoots a line attack. Uh, for 70 to 210 damage with 60% of your physical power. Uh, the mitigation is 3 to 15%. The fully charged damage, though, is 140 to 420. Wow. That swings. Uh, third ability, Glorious Charge. She It's her silencing dash that does 70 to 310 with 60% scaling. And then the ultimate, everybody knows it. She takes a three swipes at you. She hits all three. You are stunned for two seconds. Does 80 to 260 damage with 50% of your physical power. Try and calculate real fast how much damage our ult does base. Just That's pretty fun. <laughs> I was gonna say I have the numbers right here in front of me, so I can't really uh, pretend like, like I seven, don't have them. Seven eighty, uh, seven eighty, right? No, it's two eighty eight to nine thirty six plus one hundred and fifty percent of your physical power for her ult. Holy! Crap. So, by the way, I just want to say from a carry perspective, this god is so fun to deal with because <laughs> she dashes you for like three hundred seventy damage. And then she ults you for 1,200, and that's 1,500 of your 1,800 health, and then she hits you like twice, and you die. It's really fun. I enjoy playing against her. Please always play her against me. Is that the um, the damage no. numbers including the passive? Not no. including the passive, no. Woo. That's another 90 on top, man. <laughs> yeah. Her ult before they nerfed it again almost. It did like 10, like not 10, 1028 damage or something base, which is just. Uh, it's one of the highest, like, highest damaging ults in the game. 
outside of like Anubis and Andymir. I will forever hate Anubis. Hole. I know he's not broken, but at the same time, I feel like he barely touches me with that stupid laser. <laughs> he's like pub stompy broken, but like if you have a if you have comms on your team, you can play around him pretty well. But like otherwise, he's just like a one person kill guarantee. He's just, the, he's one of those guys, like, everyone's got their list of guys that just makes them salty. And when I see him and I'm like, he's not hitting me, but the, just the laser barely gets me. It irks me every time. Uh, anyway, so back to Ama. Uh, those are all her abilities. And Emilzy, we will just let you take it from here. Um, tell us, you know, stuff you'd like to do, what you like to build, ins and outs of her, whatever you want. So I think it's important to understand that Amaterasu's uh it she's a aggressive early game supporter with like great late game capabilities in forms of objective damage and just like pure damage output and team fight relevance. Uh, she's hard to hit. She she brings a lot to the table in, in forms of like this if you if you learn how to use her the silence on her dash to interrupt abilities, that's like a really, really strong thing. It's a pretty long silence. Is a good way to interrupt Aegis and blinks and all that. Uh, her, her, her old CC humidity, you want to use that as well. She's just this very hard to kill guard because she's so safe. Every single one of her abilities has an aspect to it that makes you hard to kill. Her one has movement speed and a self heal. Uh, her two has damage reduction. You have a dash that silences, and then you have CC humidity on your ult as well. So she's hard to kill. Early game, you want to. Play up as much as you can in the enemy's face, and you want to try and trade them as much as possible. Don't put yourself in a position where you have to waste your ult or something, but you're always going to win a trade as Amaterasu against another support because you have your self-heal. You do so much damage early on. Um, I mean, I even like, like before, I, I would max my one on Amaterasu just for the self-sustain uh, and make sure I had the mid lane I could poke with. But if you really just want to do a lot of damage, you can just max your two. I think either is fine. I always end up doing some kind of in-between thing where I put two or three points in the two and then that kind of reaches its relevance and then I'll just smack points into the one to try and get the 21% movement speed as fast as possible. Uh, But yeah, I mean, early game... What uh, what what's it called? Guardian's blessing. I mean, you can go boots. You can also go without. If you want to go double health pot, you can go boots too and invade. If that's what you want to do, she's really strong with that. But if you just want, if you're doing a normal lane start, you get your relic. Whether you go, you're gonna go shell or horrific or upgrade sprint is a good start on her as well, since she has a lot of kill potential. Amazras is one of the best level one guards you're gonna find in the support role, whether that's fighting or just for clearing the wave. What do you want to do if you, if you want to clear the wave is you want to hit one of the melees three times and then the other melee three times while you you start off by activating two and then you go one, two, three, four, five, six on the two different minions. That means the wave is going to take 20% extra damage and then your two is going to do literally half the health of the wave. And it also amplifies your ADC's damage as well. Um, If you're fighting, make sure you get the aura on two different people. It, it it doesn't stack on the same person, if that makes sense. Like you can only get ten percent on one person. You don't you can't just hit the same person nine times and then he's thirty percent uh takes thirty percent more damage. So make sure you hit this the, the different people. Uh try and body block, try and hit your two on different people. Use your one for sustain. In lane, one thing I really like to do as Ama 
also throughout the game. If I feel really safe, I'll just do my two and I'll dash through the wave and then it fully charges up my mirror. I'll shoot it at the enemy for great poke. It's just it's just a nice way of being annoying. That's one thing with armor. You can play this annoying playstyle. We aren't necessarily being like doing too much. But just by constantly being up in their face and being annoying, you're stressing them out and they're like, why is this guy allowed to play like this? And that's such a big strength uh, to be able to, to play that playstyle. Yeah, um, like, um, gods like hell, uh, gods like any, any god with a really good self-sustain is all about just going in and being really annoying as often as possible. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's about like knowing your limits and, and just playing to that. And Amma has really really big limits when it comes to poking and being annoying because she's so safe uh the way her kit works i mean what was a good armor build i would go for boots i like reinforced uh, i know some people build ninja tabis i'm not the biggest fan ever they do it for the passive but you're probably gonna get your free stacks regardless um <laughs> you can even go to Larius if you want to be super speedy if you go to Larius, i'm mainly dude for the mp5 uh, but I, I reinforce them is my go-to. Then I go Feeps. I like to build soft spirit robe relic dagger. Predwin is really good on that as well. Like re- like cooldown reduction is nice. It's not a necessity though, but it's definitely nice on her. Uh, but just make sure you're tanky. And if you want, you can also build a hybrid. You can go like rune forge void void shield and uh, and like. And, and Kyle or something, and just do a lot of damage. That's definitely a way to play as well. But late game, if if you have enough tankiness, again, as you, as you said earlier, uh, Dan, like you can literally just do so much damage to, to a carry. You can also peel really well for your own backline because you have your damage uh, in, increase in your aura. You have a silence. You have an ult that stuns, that slows. So she's super strong. One thing I really like Amma for is that she does so much objective damage. So it's really easy to pull an objective. And then also after pulling the objective, it's easy to self-sustain. So she makes the late game a lot easier uh, than other supports would because they can't really sustain or do a lot of damage to objectives. She actually helps you burn those really well. So yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty much Amma. She does a bunch of damage early game. Uh, her her mid game is not bad at all, but she she can fall off a bit when it when you come to like picking people because you have to actually invest your ult if you want to hard CC someone. Whereas it, it's easy with guardians to just use your CC to lock someone down. Ama, you kind of have to make up for that by being annoying, as we talked about earlier. Uh, but her her late game is really strong, so she kind of has her two peaks early and late game, and that's how you want to play her. One thing I really like to do, like one trick. You hit one person twice with the ult, they're gonna preemptively use the relics, whether that's Aegis or Beats. And the last second before, like the split second before you're gonna hit them, you're gonna flick your screen and you're gonna hit the person behind you and then turn on that person. Like that's such a classic thing is you just dash past the front line, then you ult the back line twice, and then you your last hit you, you stun the enemy frontliner and you kill him. Like in the stun. You just burst him down, the enemy's ADC or whatever, you all the twice is in his Aegis, so he can't do anything to help. Uh, that's just like a good tip that works out really well. Just make sure you know where the person is so you don't just hit thin air, but it works. Yeah, I really like Ama too, uh, for even on the, if you're behind side, if you're on the back end of things instead of in the front, you know what I mean? If you're not dashing in 
Her dash to get away, her ult to get away, her mitigations, her speed buff for the whole team, like all that stuff. And rotations with Ama, like getting to objectives, getting from objectives to other objectives is is insane. So like all those things matter too. Imagine like smite at like 0.21 extra speed because you're just you have an armor beside you <laughs> yeah yeah for sure that, i mean there's so many things to her she's one of the first guards that like kind of entered the power creep area where she just does a lot of different things which guards and smite do now she's an older guard but but she has a lot to her which a lot of the older guards does naff oh um, yeah don't so get sure. this podcast started on kit bloated <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, yeah. Yuki's not here, but he, oh my gosh, he hates the kit-bloated stuff of the new gods sometimes. He's like, why does Baron's 1 do 15 things? And like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I definitely feel it. No, who who is his newest pet? He was really angry about Jormungandr, and then he started playing Jormungandr. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, I hate Jormungandr. He's so stupid. No matter where you are, you're not out of position. <laughs> Next thing you know, all he plays is Jorm. I'm like, I get it. <laughs> Strong God. Strong God is how it works. Yeah, so I think that yeah, pretty much wraps up Ama. Uh, does anybody have anything to... What's your favorite scam with Ama? Oh, yeah, we can't forget. Uh, Nova Solaros. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. I think it's Ordo Solaris, yeah. Ordo, Ordo Solaris, yeah, yeah, something like I that. I find myself using the Chibi one a lot just because I think it's funny. I would either have to use like the Blake, the Divine Beats, or the Chibi for myself. I, I can't decide between the three in my head right now. Is that a it's Shining Heavens for me or Ordo Solaris? Those are the best skins, I think. It's also just older skins. I really like Ordo Solaris. Is always like that. I'm asking my plate. Yeah, I really like the Ordo one. That's that's a really nice skin. Every most gods have that like one skin where you're like, that's the cool skin. You know what I mean? That's her like super cool skin. Um, community section this week we didn't get very many responses because everybody was more, oh my god, Emilzy's coming, which I totally get. So we will save that one for next week. Uh, just a reminder, it was, who was your least favorite God release of 2019? Um, just out of curiosity, since you are here, here, Emilzy, who, who? King Arthur. King Arthur? <laughs> he had it <laughs> ready. <laughs> that was, was so never a faster <laughs> answer. <laughs> there was never a faster answer to be what had. Fast. What a pathetic God. Like, oh, he's man. not even a God. <laughs> And the next one's uh, going to be real bad, too. Who's next? Mulan. Is it? Yes. Wait, Mulan, the next god in Christ. No, 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 no. I thought it was... Uh, no, I thought it was Baba Yaga. No, it's, it's not Mulan and then Baba Yaga. Then, oh, yeah, that one's next. Mulan. It seems like I fucking quit at the right time. Right before the Disney princess. What's so going on? I think it's... Uh, <laughs> it is Mulan, because there's a Chinese event coming up. Is Mulan gonna be in Smite? I don't think so. I think people what, are... What's, are you gonna have fucking Elsa in here next or something? <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have Elsa. And <laughs> yeah, there, there were like there were like little teasers. There was like a cricket jumping around in like the last teaser or something. Like, no, fuck you guys, you're wrong. It's Tsukiyomi. You, you wanna bet? You wanna bet? Mulan's no. next god. No. I refuse. <laughs> bet an awesome chest. 
<laughs> little controversy, controversy for those who listen to the end. <laughs> oh God, I'm, I've, uh, I looked it up not too long ago, and I swear they said Tsukiyomi was uh, the next one. Yeah, Japanese. We'll see though. If it's Mulan, I'm why is there? Why is there a Chinese event at the beginning of the year then? I don't know because China is allowed to have events. Chinese New Year? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Mulan is not on this list. We'll see, we'll see, and then if I'm wrong, I'll ignore it. But if I'm right, I don't. <laughs> if I'm wrong, I'll ignore it. He just <laughs> says that so cleanly too. He's just like not even shameful. Oh, I no, I'm, I've practiced because I'm married. Ah, <laughs> uh, I understand. Um. So yeah, uh, we'll do our least favorite gods when we get actual the community answers for next episode. Uh, special announcement: next episode we will have another special guest that will be Titan Forge Tina. So make sure you get any questions you have in the Discord or on the Twitter, DM us, whatever it doesn't matter. Uh, just get them to us. Uh, obviously we'll put it out in the discord too but you'll probably have already seen that by now yeah um so yeah that about wraps it up amelzy um just want to say it was a pleasure having you on uh thank you a lot of people are sad that you're retiring you know you've always been a great representative of the smite community and the positive aspects of it and when i was learning support everybody told me to go check out your youtube channel like no joke, at least ten people said go watch a Z. And I was like, That's awesome. So I I know you said earlier you're like you're didn't have a very big community, but you did have a lot of impact on a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um so for those that may be looking to get, reach out to you or get in touch or whatever, where can they find you? <sighs> <laughs> I'm getting too getting too re- retired for this, but I think Milsey Smite on Twitter. I'm in Milsey on uh, YouTube and Twitch, and I'll be Milsey GG on Instagram and Snapchat. Although I don't really use the latter anymore, but I, I try and stay a bit active on the others. Maybe I'll do a stream every now and then. But uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Not gonna lie, I totally want to see you play Emoja. <laughs> uh, okay. Have you have you checked her out at all? Probably not. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to play her a bit. I thought we were gonna be allowed to play her uh, for world, so I put some time into her. But she's she's hot. She's definitely hot. Like she's a she's a god I would enjoy playing a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think she she can be good. But I think she's more of a soul laner though. But we'll <laughs> see. Maybe one day in casuals we'll catch a stream. Uh, Dan, yeah. where can everybody reach you? Uh, you can find me on the official Split Push Twitter at Split Push Podcast with no A because the name was too long. Uh, you can find me on Smite at Dirt Nap Dan. You can find me in the Discord, which is pinned at the top of the uh, Twitter. Hit us up, play. We'll play games with you. We'll let us call you name or let you call us names or the other way. <laughs> I, I don't. I, Unless you use the only thing that he gets to call you names. Yeah, anyway. Guy, what about you, man? I know you haven't been here in a while, but uh, how can people get a hold of you if they want to? You can find me on Twitter at GSmitey, and you can find me on Smite at GuyAllSmitey. Check out Podcast Retirement Home. He's looking out the windows. Mm-hmm. Or the grocery <laughs> store. Gilly, how about you, man? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Twitch at Gilly underscore TV. Uh, you can find me on Smitty Gilly TV and Discord at Gilly. Or you can find me on the new art website. Uh, you should go to his new art yet. website. You should go to his new art website as soon as we get the domain. You can also find me feeding in your duel in. All right, awesome. That's the one we wanted to hear. That's what we were waiting for. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely check out Gilly's art. His art is really cool, honestly. I I love everything he ends up sending to anyone. So, And you can find me at American Zombie, M-U-R-I-C-A-N, on Twitter, Twitch, Mixer, Discord, I'm all over. Um, finally, got my internet fixed. And my speed is double what it used to be, so the stream should actually work properly now. And I will be doing that. Uh, also, that would be cool. <laughs> also, I want to give a special shout out to Cossy Draws on Twitter. Uh, her handle is actually at DrawsCossy. She did an awesome portrait for me of American Zombie. I will be sharing everywhere because I think it's amazing. Anyway, uh, that about wraps up this show. Again, Amilzy, thanks for coming on, and mm-hmm. uh, see you guys next time.